0: Please rise, part is now in session. Love Strenfeld. Fighting for justice is the podcast. Fight spelled with a P-A. Serving Philly in the counties and the tri-states. We can change people minds, yeah, we don't see hate. If you ever want to question law, yeah, let the debate. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Fighting for Justice. Y'all know who it is. We got the usual crew, Josh Tobay and David Strenfeld with us. And today we have Dr. Dawn Sheehan back with us again to enlighten us with how she helps us. Um, Welcome back, Dr. Sheehan, we appreciate you.
1: Thanks for having me again.
0: Absolutely, it is our pleasure. Mm -hmm. And uh, also I wanted to introduce you guys to a new member of our family. Please welcome uh, our new intern, Michael Tedesco.
2: Mike, Mike. welcome to the the (laughs) podcast, bro. (laughs) Don't mind me. I'll just be hiding until you need me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so... Producer Mike. um, Yeah, you guys are going to be hearing Mike's, (laughs) Producer Mike's uh, voice a little bit from now on. So, Mike, I'm going to throw it right to you. Let's get into the news. What you got for us?
2: You got it. So, um, actually, we have uh, a few different articles. I'll start with... um, Would you like me to share my screen for this? Or just talk about it? No, I'll just tell you about it. Um, there is a student that was in, uh, where did that go? Illinois, no, sorry. This is the first thing we're starting with. A girl who was reported missing uh, since 2017 from Illinois uh, was found after she was uh, recognized by a, uh, a worker in a store in North Carolina. Um, and yeah she was taken by by the from the father by the non custodial guardian
0: so essentially uh, i remember this story i we actually yeah. i remember it uh, we talked about it a little bit this a little bit earlier in the week uh essentially a young lady was the way that they say it she was taken by the non custodial parent and essentially what that means for non lawyers is that there was a custody order for one parent to have the child and the other parent actually took that child and went somewhere and then the child was found what years later 10 years later yeah so what do you guys what do you guys think about that dave you have some uh obviously we have some uh custody experience so <laughs> dave i'm gonna let you i'm gonna throw it to you what do you think about that kidnapping your kid
3: yeah i mean it's not surprising to be honest, just with the emotions that surround any kind of custody case, I, I hate to see it because that's not what we expect from adults. Right. And that's certainly, you know, I think maybe Dr. Sheehan could probably talk, you know, way more about it than I can, but I'm sure this has all types of effects on that child moving forward. I mean, I can't imagine the trauma and now I know it happened when the child was young, but that's still, in my opinion doesn't change it, but I'm glad she was found, you know, and it, everybody always drags on technology, but guess what? Without Netflix and without this being put out to the public, chances are nobody would have ever recognized this child and the child may not even have known this happened. Right. That's the problem. Right. That's, that's my two cents. I don't, I don't like to see it for sure.
2: And if I can just reiterate, I'm sorry for you, just some of the facts she was taken when she was nine years old um, and she was, she is now 15. So I just wanted to reiterate that to you guys.
0: So, so about six years. So Dr. Shane, why don't you, what do you think about this? I'll let me throw it to you generally.
1: Generally, every worst, it's its every parent's worst nightmare, obviously. Um, it's something that it's, it's not uncommon for me to hear uh, custody litigants talk about uh, their fear that one parent may abscond with the child. I've had cases where... You know um the parent didn't return the child you know during the child uh, during the exchange period that was supposed to happen uh, you know the amber alerts go out uh, you know all kinds of things happen um, you know I think there's I, I, I'm not intimately familiar with with the case but but as a custody evaluator and somebody who works a lot of these cases, there's a couple questions that come to mind right um you know this this might be the ultimate case of parental alienation right where you oh, yeah. you know you 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 basically take that child away from that other parent and for you know in in some way shape or form or a number of different ways um you know that child is no longer connected to that parent you know and that can happen in a number of different ways uh the other you know hypothesis that comes to mind for me is you know was there was there a reason? Okay, uh, you know, sometimes parents do take children away from the other parent, um, and if there's, you know, if, there, if there's factors involved in that case that warrant um, removing that child or shielding that child from a scenario, whether it's child abuse or domestic violence or mental health issues, you know, we we don't we don't call it parental alienation; we call it estrangement at that point, right? Um, and that might be a protective factor, so I don't know a lot of the the factors involved in this particular case, but at you know at on on its surface at the thirty thousand foot level right it's it's truly every parent's worst nightmare, and it is something that a lot of custody litigants uh do express concern about i I think that um I think when when they do express that concern, a lot of times the courts or even myself as an evaluator, kind of, you know, we we don't we look at it and we're like, really, you think this, you know, this person's going to truly kidnap your child and never and never return? But then you hear stories like this, and you know, you realize that you know there are cases where it happens.
4: Isn't it? It's kid so, isn't it kidnapping? Oh god! Isn't, it's kidnapping, right? <laughs> I mean. Yes, Black. absolutely. Legally yes. legally yes. speaking,
3: yes. yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes, good. right. To so, be the proper term. I mean,
4: yeah, I just want to make I just want to make sure we're talking about crim- <laughs> we're talking about criminal acts here. We're talking about like we are What state what state was this in? Illinois?
2: Yeah. Uh yeah, the child was from Illinois and then taken to North Carolina. So <clears throat> Yeah. So that's so here, that's, here, a, here, that's a federal case.
0: Yeah, uh, cross-state line. lines. Yeah. I actually Yeah. <clears throat> That brought me a question for for you guys. Um, Dr. Sheehan brought up a good point. There are a lot of times where parents will come to us and will say, you know, I fear for my child's safety or or their life and, you know, I'm not bringing them back. And there are times where I'm kind of stuck as the attorney, like, ooh, so you're telling me that you're like, I hear you, your child's life, you think is in danger, but you can't just like ignore the court order. You can't just like say, here's what I'm going to do this. And sometimes parents forget that once the court is involved, you are no longer the like most powerful being of your child's life. Once you ask the court for help or they insert themselves, they get to say what's going on. So can we talk about that a little bit, Dr. Sheehan? How do you talk to your clients who kind of, you may feel they're ready to go out on their own and say, you know what, I'm going to go on the run. What do you advise them?
1: You know, I, I don't I don't know if I've really ever had a case like that. I, I've certainly had cases where, uh, you know, a party is sub- and there and there and there is substantial concern for potentially a child's safety. What what I see in cases more often than not where that exists is where there's been substantiated domestic violence between mm-hmm. the parents, Okay, between the parties um, and and then subsequently and and i'll I'll use the you know the traditional way it kind of goes is you know let's say your father was you know f- physically abusive towards mother and i've ca- I've had cases where there was you know horrific domestic violence and physical abuse between the parties, and then the party who was abused you know there's obviously warranted fear that that type of tendency or that uh, propensity towards violence. Is 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 going to be perpetrated on the child? Okay, um, I know that you know uh, Philadelphia or even you know the Pennsylvania Bar Association has talked about um, talked about custody factors and custody decisions where if there's if there's substantiated domestic violence that you know the party who was the perpetrator of that violence shouldn't have custody right and and I think that's I think that's a little draconian right and and there was a lot of debate about it and and there was uh there was some lobbying going on and, and things like that but it that pretty much went nowhere because it was so controversial because the reality is that yes there's such concern we hear these stories all the time about you know um a parent Killing their child, right? Uh, there was the fear of, of, of placing custody, you know, that child in the custody of that parent, and that child gets hurt or injured, or you know, at, you know, even to the point of of you know being killed. Um, so, so I think the the fear of that is is definitely real. I think it's warranted, and I don't think we can ever fault a party who has been abused in a domestic violence situation from Having, possessing, expressing, and even um, just instinctually wanting to shield their child from the from the potential of that happening.
3: Yep, and I mean it's always a hard place for me as the attorney talking to them because JJ is right. We always get uh, you know I don't want to send my child back, and I can only think of one case I believe that I've had where I've actually recommended <laughs> it before we filed the appropriate. You know, emergency petition, all that kind of stuff. But it's because the child was truly at risk, right? We had all the evidence I believe we needed, right, to violate technically a court order, but we did it appropriately, right? We immediately filed an emergency. We did not send the child back. So that way you can always go in and explain to the court look, the parent I'm representing, I only advise to be reasonable for the safety of the child, right? We're not here to say we don't believe in your order, judge, or We don't follow the court's rules, but Mm -hmm. here's what we need to tell you. And we couldn't wait to tell you, right? We had to make our own decision and then come to you. But it is extremely rare that you'll ever hear from me unless there's something that warrants it, right? Yes. Just keep your child, right? Because ultimately I know if you're wrong, you're going to lose custody and it's going to be, you're going to be looked down on. So it's always a fine line that we're skating.
0: Yeah. And I, and I want to jump in and say even a little bit more than that is that, I want every parent to hear me that when you make the decision that you're going to go against a court order and whatever re- for whatever reason, it cannot just be blanketed. Right? You don't just take the child and then leave and and run away. No, if you're going to say. Uh, like Dave was suggesting there is a real legitimate reason why we're not sending the child back, then there needs to be paperwork filed. There needs to be evidence presented to a judge. You don't just get to be the, the be in sale, uh, you know, of, of the case and parents need to understand that particularly. I think a lot of times they'll say, Oh my gosh, I, you know, the the mom or dad is hurting my child. I'm just not sending them back and then act like nobody's going to do anything somebody's going to do something. All right. Cause you were ignoring a court order and Josh will tell you the court does not like to be ignored <laughs> no. or, or no. disobeyed yeah. <laughs> or disobeyed. Absolutely. So uh, with that, Mike, why don't you give us our next topic?
2: All right. Uh, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was what just happened in Philadelphia. Um, we had the primaries and, um, Sherelle Parker has won the primary to be the Democratic candidate and will most likely win that election as a Democratic city um, and will be the first female mayor in the city. And in fact, the hundredth mayor, which is a nice little combo. Um, She served 10 years as the state representative for Northwest Philadelphia before being elected to city council in 2015, uh, where she served until September. Um, She is tough on crime. And uh I actually uh in speaking with uh 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 um Dr. Sheehan the other day, I was just, you know, we were speaking a little bit about what we'd be talking about today, and I, I had found a quote where she seemed to imply she was pro stop and frisk. Um and Dr. What Sheehan was, yeah, uh Dr. Sheehan uh said that she has seen articles that have actually uh, uh she has come out and refuted or or maybe just restated what she meant by that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I've got.
0: Okay. So Dr. Shan, why don't you let us know what, what did you and Mike talk about? Enlighten us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, Mike, Mike had mentioned, you know, the, the stop and frisk debate that, you know, I think every large city, uh, kind of has that debate at times. Right. And Sherelle Parker, you got
0: black people. You got to have that debate.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so I, I know I know that during the, the debates that Cheryl Parker had indicated that she was, in fact, uh, you know, in in favor of Terry stops. And I think it was I think it was wise that she used the term Terry stop instead of uh, uh, <laughs> stop, stop the, and stop frisk, and frisk. Right? Um, because <laughs> that, that implies that, you know, you're you're in favor of the constitutional form of stop and frisk. Right. <laughs> Not right. just not just the, the willy nilly one, right? Look well, at um, you,
0: dock I, with all the legal knowledge. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you what, they, what they teach you when you actually concentrate in forensics in school, um, so, <laughs> right? Um, so, yeah, I think in, in times past, you know, uh, she had uh, sh- she had questioned, you know, the the constitutionality of that, and and look, I think. I think any reasonable person given all the data, right? And what we know about the uh what we know about just the the research on on Terry stops and stops and, and stop and frisk um that any reasonable person has to look at that and understand that it's it's a tremendous risk, you know, depending on how it's implemented. You know, one of the things that I that I do like about what Sherelle Parker also said was you know, she is in favor of funding police, right? She is in favor mm-hmm. of, you know, getting more officers on duty. And, you know, hopefully part of that is using the funds and using the resources to not just get more officers, but to provide them with more education and more guidance and more coaching, um, getting, getting you know, special educators in there to, to, to teach them about you know, multicultural influences and, uh, you know, and, and racial biases and, you know, how these Terry stops have become so controversial because of the disparity that's used in the minority population. And, that, and that's, that's where a piece of that, you know, funding needs to happen, not just with bodies, right? Mm, but right. With, of course. With, with the <clears throat> tools and education that you're going to provide for them.
0: Josh Man. or Dave, you guys want to jump in with anything?
3: I don't know. What am I supposed to say as a criminal defense lawyer? Bring it back. No, you know, right. I mean, yeah, it's I, a tough, you <laughs> know. Uh, I mean, like, here. listen, here's, here's my opinion, right? It's going to be pretty hard for you to avoid at least the optics, right? That a stop and frisk program in Philly doesn't somehow target minorities when the city is pretty close to half of minority. Right. And, When we say policing, I mean, I just I have a feeling that I already know how this is going to turn out, even if that's not their intent, because it's just to me, it's not a good way to to be doing uh, law enforcement. Right. I I like the second part of what Dr. Sheehan mentioned, right, is more Mm -hmm. money for more education, for more training, for understanding things differently, for taking a different approach. All of those I'm always in favor of. Right. More education always can only help us as a society. so. You know, but the first part, I mean, I,
4: I, I don't know, you know, I'm
3: not, I'm I not all, here to support stopping for <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> all
4: I think all a program like that does is further is, is widen the gulf between the police and the, and the community that they're policing. Honestly, that's the, that's I mean, the I, end result of that's the end result of a program like that. Of, I think
0: that's, that is the end result of the rule. It is a bad effing rule. The law got it wrong in the first place, and now we have people like the like you know like uh, this this new mayor coming along and i 'm not blaming her because she ain 't the first one she 's just the latest one to use a tool that was given to law enforcement that they use real in a messed up way that 's really what it mm-hmm. is It is a legal way to harass people because essentially all Terry means for you guys who are not lawyers. A Terry stop is essentially if a police officer thinks that you are committing a crime and they have what we call articulable facts, which basically just means they make some stuff up that says, we think you committed this crime. They can then stop and frisk your outer body. And if they find anything at all, that frisk turns into a search and you wind up in jail. As you can imagine, that happens to minorities a lot more than it happens to anybody else. So for someone who is in a place of position to say this is a good thing, it's definitely not. First of all, it's just not there are statistics that suggest it's really bad the way we know that it doesn't really work the way that we want it to. I want to say shout out to her, though. I me mean, like I, I am proud and representation is always a good thing. So I don't want to jump down her throat because that's what she you know that maybe she thinks that's a good thing. And hey, you were elected, so give it a try. But my my mind always jumps down the road of like uh, as soon as I hear someone say we got to be tough on crime. Because I, like nobody is suggesting that we should be happy on crime, but being tough doesn't actually help anybody. In my opinion, all that does is it rouses the uh, community up, and then that allows you to overly punish people when they have done something.
4: I've never even I've never even
0: really understood what that phrase even means. Honestly, on crime. Tough what, on tough crime. on crime? What does that even, what does that even mean? Oh, oh let, me, let, me, let me clarify for you. It means we're going to lock up all the black people. That's what that means. We're going to be tough on crime. We're going to lock yeah. up everybody we but want, how like, we want, the poor and the black. When they do things, we're going we're gonna to throw them in jail for as long as we can because we are tough. That's what it means to uh, me. To me, yeah, it but, means I mean, d- build DA's, the wall. DA's, right? It's
4: DA's a political run- slogan. Right? People, it is. People in Minnesota – yeah, but people in Minnesota make the same – you know, people where there are no minorities yeah, make the same. They always say, well, "Well, we're going to be tough on crime, so you should elect me." So, what does that mean in in Wyoming? Right? I mean, like it, it's it's just it's so subjective. It means nothing. It means literally no, nothing. That's it's, it's just, if it's just can, a tag. here's the funny thing. It's right? a tag. It's a, tag it's a tagline. It's a tagline. Correct, well, and that's where I, I'm I
1: going. You to say that you know, given 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 what's going on in Philadelphia right now and with the gun violence and with the shootings and with the, with the homicide, um, you know, look, the citizens are, they're terrified. Right. So when, so sure. when they hear something about, you know, tough on crime, you know, they're thinking that's what we need, right. Because whatever's going on right now, you know, the increase in, in gun violence and everything that's happening and, and just the, the brazen, you know, crime that's occurring but the reality is that you're right you know the the the, the stop and frisk right if, if you look at the data the amount of times that a, a weapon or a gun is actually secured or confiscated yeah. or found during those times like what is it like you know three percent
3: three percent something ridiculous the, yep. right, right. The, the,
1: the risk to somebody you know uh, constitutional rights or potentially you know. Oh, I thought it was this. Yeah, I thought it could be a gun when it was, you know, I don't know, a, a, a medication bottle, which I think was a more recent case in 2021, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. when it went to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Um, you know, the the risk to somebody's due process or you know civil rights is, I don't know, you have to outweigh that.
0: And you know what's it's funny, funny? You know, what I tried about... fun... oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. go ahead Dave. Go ahead. I was
3: just going to say, JJ and I always talk about this because. You know, tough on crime to me, just like I said, it, it not to use one of the worst slogans I've heard in a long time, but we're going to build that wall. Great. So what you're really saying is, right, we have a problem with immigration without giving any specifics on how you'll fix it. So when I hear people say tough on crime, to me, you're I hate to say it. You're being lazy, right? Because if let's say gun violence is a problem, great. Then That's say you want to be tough yeah. on gun violence, but then tell us exactly what you mean. JJ and I floated ideas. Listen, make make there a mandatory minimum of 20 years on a gun crime. If it's used it, it accomplishes both. You're being tough on the problem and you're trying to stop either recidivism rates or from people doing it in the future. Right. But just to say, I want to be tough on crime. Great. Yeah. I mean, everyone says it. It doesn't mean anything. And you never get right, it has no and, it has
4: no meaning anymore. It, the the phrase has no meaning. Correct. It really and, doesn't.
3: I mean, no, like. Because, like, no kidding, every politician is going to say, I want to be tough on crime. Because the opposite is right. what? You want to let right. criminals run free? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. exactly. Is that the platform We're, you're going to run on? Yes. It's, I it's cannot the same wait as, for
0: somebody to run and be like, you know what? I am going yeah. to be super light on crime. I don't care what you do. Come <laughs> down here. We are just just crime it up, baby.
3: Exactly. So,
4: you know, and come, I guess this will be... <laughs> just no, say what I, you're going to do. Come out with Come out with something that, like... Tough on crime doesn't mean, I mean, that, that means nothing, nothing.
0: But, but, what's but let's specifics? be real. There's really only one thing they can do as the person who is usually talking. That is usually a district attorney, somebody who can throw you in jail. There's really only one way that they can be tough, and that's to throw you in jail. But the problem, in my opinion, with the, one of the biggest problems with it is that when you are tough on crime, the criminal justice system isn't just like, hey, you did wrong on monday we prove you did wrong on tuesday and we're tough on you on wednesday no it's like we think you did wrong on monday we're gonna start being tough on you on monday we ain't even gonna let you get to court for 18 months we still gonna be tough on you though because we think you did something and then 18 19 months down the road when we say oops my bad you're innocent well we were tough because we thought you were you were wrong like that that's what being tough on crime means is that from the moment they think you did something they're starting to treat you like you're not a person exactly and with that so, one yeah, it, no, and
3: I, yeah, yeah yeah i was gonna say since we're talking about elections i might as well give the uh, viewers a little update on me so i'm running uh as i announced i'm running for council in phoenixville um it wasn't really a contest for me so it's not fair to take you know, I I can't say I won because I wasn't actually running against anyone <laughs> for the primaries. But on the flip side, right when I look at the numbers, I I will be running against a Republican in November. Um, and right now it looks like almost a three to one advantage for Democrats at least in Phoenixville, um, at least by the turnout in the primary. But overall in Chester County, I will say it it you know it in the primaries at least it was leaning heavily blue, um and it's probably going to be a good thing for me in november right but i just want to give an update because it seems like potentially i'll have a successful run for council and then we can see how that goes so um that's my personal news on the election of tuesday jj should and i also got to tell sit the- out there <laughs> have we got to we sit out there all tell- day
4: <laughs> it was fun we should also tell the viewers that recent guest of the show ryan hyde <laughs> was successful in securing the GOP nomination for um, the district attorney's office in Chester County because he ran unopposed. <laughs> Correct. Yes.
3: Yes. Ryan will. So Ryan, Ryan is was now, on our he, show. He, yeah. He was on our show a couple of weeks ago and he is now officially on the ballot in November. Uh, but he's like me. Right. He can't brag yet because he wasn't running against anyone.
0: <laughs> exactly. We got to get, we got to get your boy back. Cause now that we've seen the numbers, <clears throat> excuse me, honestly, I'm not sure that how he thinks he's going to win. They're like he's running as a Republican, and they are vastly outnumbered. Like I honestly, he, I think he knows. I don't that. know how.
4: I think. Yeah, but he that. when
0: he when he said to me that he thought he had a good chance. I need to now that I see the numbers. I need to look back in his face and see how. Like how? Why do you yeah. think that reaching across the aisle is the only way yes. anymore? Right, actually working yes. together, which is
3: something that I will promote until the day I'm you know I can't talk anymore because the divisiveness literally makes no sense we, you know we're not running for president we're not running for senate we're running for our community and guess what you still represent the reds or the blues or the purples or the independent or anybody i don't care so you know hopefully i'm assuming i'm going to put words in ryan's mouth that that's exactly what he's shooting for right he wants to cross the aisle so. and and let people understand I mean, it's not just about your team he came on with us
4: i mean that's a exactly, oh, i think you know?
0: Absolutely, I have no, I have no problem <laughs> with it. I just want to know now that I see some numbers. And Doctor Shane, actually, I'm gonna throw this to you real quick. Question is, how do you think um, we are between like Republican Democrat? Do you think that there is a way for kind of us to move forward, or do you really think that like you know what this this relationship between Democrat and Republican that shit is toxic? <laughs> it's a toxic uh, ass relationship. It's, it's- what do we
4: need it's, a third party
1: incredibly toxic yeah i i, I agree <laughs> i don't you know i don't i don't know i i think i think some politicians really do try you know their best to you know just you know work across the aisle and 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 really manage their their campaign or 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 their you know their position from a place of common sense right mm-hmm. um i think we lost that for a long time i i think we're still a little lost i think
2: I think every now and
1: again, <laughs> when we get somebody like David, who you know stands up and and steps up to the plate, and who's a reasonable, logical, you know, person who's you know just coming from a place of common sense, we need more people like that. Um, and good for you, David. I'm glad. I'm 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 glad you were there. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're taking on that that challenge. <laughs> uh, it's not an easy one. Yeah,
0: That's right. I, and I also want to put that, out right. there that. <laughs>
1: God bless. Go ahead,
3: Jay. You're good. No, you're, every everyone says oh, the no, same no, thing. I'll... What? What? Why would you ever get involved in politics at this point in time, right? And it's only the reasons that you're saying, right? Because I'm sick of talking to JJ about it all the time. I'm sick of yelling about it. I'm sick of like not understanding how we got away from just not understanding that if we can't work together, nothing ever gets done. Even in our line of work, we're dealing with an opposing counsel on any case that we're on, but the goal should always be to work together, right? To either get to the truth, get the best results for our clients. So like, you know, I'm just done with the, oh, you're Democrat. So you believe this. Listen, you don't know what I believe. And chances are, I'm not going to share it with you because I'm running for counsel, right? I'm not running for Senate. I'm not going to affect your abortion rights, your gun rights, you know, all the, all the hot topics that we hear about, (coughs) excuse me, and I'm not going to waste my time even sharing that with you because that's all you care about, then listen, we're not, we're not going to get along anyway. All right. I'm talking about council. Do you have a problem with your water pressure? Right. Do you need a permit? Do you want to build a (laughs) business? Like these are the things that I'll be dealing with. Not, you know, these huge political issues that frankly, sometimes all they do is cloud our ability to work together. Right. Because what we disagree on guns. So let's never talk again. We all hate each other. Cool. Great. That's great. So that is why I'm running, right? It's the only reason I'm running because I'm just sick of the fighting. And guess you know, whatever. That's my platform. We'll either get along or I'm. We won't. I guess I, I don't know, but I'm gonna
0: try. <laughs> I mean, and, and shout out to you though, because you already have the skill that I think a lot of. Um politicians need or should have, which is that they need to do in my opinion, a better job at managing expectations they if they wouldn't lie and promise things that they never that they know <laughs> they have to the problem is that I believe a lot of them believe their own crap, they believe that they're going to actually do some of the things that they say when those of us who have brains are like, why would you why would you promise this? Why would yeah, you, you promise you know something that you can't do?' And then they look like liars because they are. So shout out to you for, you know, having seeing something and doing something about it. Yeah. Appreciate
3: it. Thank you guys. Yeah. And, and on all that all note on you, Jay. Let's we'll see, get it rolling. Uh, uh, let's, <laughs> that's
0: right. We'll see y'all in November. So we're moving on. <clears throat> Dr. Sheehan, and this is uh the the section of the show where you and Josh, we are I wanna talk to you guys about kind of how you guys interact with the firm when there are personal injury cases. So the first thing I'm going to throw it's actually going to be to Josh and then Josh can kind of talk to you is about kind of when someone is in a serious accident, Josh, a lot of times people just don't know kind of where to start, who to go to, um, because there's so many things that are happening at once. Can you talk about like when people call you in a panic, Josh, um, why is having a knowledgeable attorney so important when a serious accident happens and someone calls you why is that important
4: because you gotta you gotta you have to be dealing with someone that immediately knows uh what steps to take to get things rolling on a on the legal end right and to get things rolling to get the claim like to get all the necessary information a lot it's funny a lot of the personal injury law and practice is, is is information gathering right you have to like it's It's conducting and and getting enough of a performing the the investigation that needs to happen right off the bat, gathering the information, and then getting the appropriate things set up for your client to make sure that their medical, you know, that their medical bills are going to be covered to make sure that they, if they're going to miss time from work, that the, you know, that that's been taken care of. So getting all those things and a lot of that stuff can be done like fairly quickly from the time that you retain us. So if somebody calls us about a car accident we agree, you know, we, we agree on our terms of representation. I mean, we, we can roll immediately on getting all that stuff, getting the insurance claims and getting all the paperwork done to make the injured party's life, you know, a little less stressful. And that also means, you know, getting people to the right, if, if need be getting people to the right physicians or getting people in the right position to, you know, to, to effectuate a quick recovery. So you want, you want immediate. those are the kind of situations where you need immediate action, like right away. And the other thing is, you know, evidence starts to disappear immediately after these things happen. So if you wait, if, you know, if you say, oh, I'm going to handle this myself, or I don't need to talk to a lawyer right now, or I'm too busy, you know, you're, you're taking a major risk because you, you call a lawyer three months after you're injured, especially if it's a situation that. Like doesn't involve a car accident. Like if you're injured at a store, or if you're injured on someone else's property, or you know you're shopping at a Walmart and a whole you know thing of mulch falls on top of you, like
0: you need the video. Isn't right? Mulch really you... soft.
4: Not like fifty pound bags, <laughs> a, of that, it, Isn't it? not a fifty pound I mean a, bag falling I mean a, but
0: <laughs> Sure, but mostly they're on the ground, aren't they? Never seen them in the air.
3: I, you've no, never shopped have, for mulch. Least, That's what you they,
0: just I, let I, us all know. I I haven't, but. <laughs> But Jen has, and I go with her. So, like, I, I've seen it before. I, that's how I know what it is.
4: <laughs> yeah. And I've had, and I've represented my bad. I sidetracked this. My Walmart.
2: bad.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that's stuff. I mean, that's the. I, I, okay. I got you. I lost my train of thought there, but yeah, whatever.
3: <laughs> You're
0: all, good. all good. Good. Don't worry about it. So, Dr. Sheehan, actually, so taken from that, Uh, a a client who or a person who is in a serious accident. Now they have serious injuries. Can you talk about some things that you see from your end and how that plays, not even just with attorneys, but with attorneys as well?
1: Yeah. So, so I think, I think individuals who go through, you know, uh, that are, that are involved in some kind of accident or some kind of injury You know whether it be a car accident, uh, as Josh was saying, you're injured at a store, or you know some other type of injury. Um, It's and one of the things that Josh said the words one of the words that he said not once but several times is stress. Okay, and what what we experience when we go through um, an incident, right? And regardless of whether that incident is, you know, massively traumatic, or if it's a slip and fall and, you know, you end up at the hospital and then you got to take time off of work. There's all these things. There's, there's that, there's that acute period of, of stress, right. That, that anyone experiences and what, you know, there, there's actually a disorder called acute stress disorder. And, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> funny enough, you know, you, you begin to not be able to concentrate. You're scattered. You're feeling depressed. You're anxious. You're, you know, all these other things. Um, and and regardless of whether or not it rises to the level of a clinical scenario, um, any kind of situation like that, you're going to be going through distress to some degree or another. And mm. getting in touch with an attorney um, is is critical because that person, that attorney is going to be able to guide you, going to be able to give you parameters. Hey, you know, can uh, send this to me, or, you know, they're able to do things that that person just might not see as important at that time. Josh indicated evidence disappears, right? And part of the reason that that evidence disappears is that Your memory isn't the greatest when you're going through a period of acute distress, right? This is a period of acute psychological response to a situation, right? And, and again, it doesn't have to be this massively traumatic scenario. You're, you're likely not going to remember it in the way that you need to. Okay. Um, So getting in touch with 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 an attorney who's qualified who who can actually give you that individual attention. Look, the the big box law firms out there, you're not going to get that individual attention, right? It's 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 firms like yours that are going to be able to give that that personal attention to 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 give you that time on the phone and say, "Okay, I know. Yeah, slow down a little bit," right? Let yep. give me give me this piece of information again. You said this, but let me ask again. I have a question. That kind of thing, and that's exactly what needs to happen because one of the things about you know experiencing a, a very distressing situation, most people want to avoid, right? And mm-hmm. that is, you know, one of the primary symptoms of whether it's post-traumatic stress disorder or acute distress disorder, they want to escape from thinking about, it, thinking about it, talking about it, all of those things. I can't tell you how many cases that I get where, you know, the personal injury cases that I've worked on where the person is saying, I don't feel like I have a right to be here because I didn't do anything about it right away. I waited six months. I waited eight months. Um, yeah, you know, that's part and parcel of how people <laughs> tend to respond to yep. massive distress or trauma. It's called the avoidance response, right? Um, so even though I might be able to explain that from a clinical standpoint, it's really important for, for clients to understand that, yes, I know you don't want to talk about this, right? But let's, yep. we'll go slow, Okay. And having that personal attention that you guys you know uh are able to give is is so important
3: so Not I have a question them, right <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> exactly, so I have a question just because I see you know it at least in the criminal the family law side, I always see mental health almost being stigmatized or downplayed or you know, I always get the responses not as bad as, you know, he or she's saying this and that, right? So here's my question. And this is for Josh and Dr. Sheehan. Josh, for you, you know, something like PTSD or, you know, I, I, and I have notes there because I want to make sure I'm getting it correct or acute stress disorder, right? Or adjustment disorder, you know, is that something that can actually help the claim, Josh, right? Is it something that insurance companies, do they downplay it? Do they actually, you know, I'll give you Basically what I'm asking, if your offer is at 20000 but you have proof, you know, that somebody has severe, you know, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder, things like that, does it help the claim? Does it hurt? And then Dr. Sheehan, do you, you know, do you have any input on that? Like, do you see it being kind of uh, minimalized potentially in a case, right? Because people don't think it's as serious or that's not the same as, you know, my back hurts, something like that.
4: Yeah, I mean I I'll just let me jump in. I'll just start and then we can because I'm I mean this is something that we could we could I think the doctor and I could talk about a at pretty significant um for a pretty significant <laughs> I'm time. Push my but, mic
0: back. Take your time, bro.
4: Yeah. So the <laughs> in a, in a situation like that, like I, it's hard to um you know, I've been doing this like for almost twelve years now. Cases involving um mental, like mental afflictions that are traumatically induced or a concussion or anything like that, um, they don't, the problem with them is they don't show up on tests, right? Like they don't, there's no independent imaging or something that you can show a, a, a neutral. And I refer to them like as, a, as somebody who's evaluating the claim, the injury claim, um, like maybe from an insurance company, there's nothing you can show them that says, look, my client has PTSD. Here's the test proving that. You're not going to have that. You're going to have the only way that you're going to be able to show that is if you initially are engaging with the client on a regular basis, like we do here. You recognize that that client is having a significant has have is facing significant mental challenges, which come across pretty clearly when you talk with them over. I mean, again, I'm not anywhere close to a licensed clinician on this, but I've been taught I've been dealing with concussion victims for 12 years. I know. I mean, I I, I have an idea of how they like how things spiral for them and how, how to identify that kind of stuff on the phone or in person. And the very first thing I do with the, in those type of cases is say, you have got to talk to somebody on a professional level that's going to be able to put, you know either get to root causes or is gonna be able to get you in a position where you need to be for your own mental health, number one. But number two, the only way that we're gonna be able to demonstrate to an insurance company or, or a neutral that you are having these issues is if you treat for it right? If if you, if you have an independent, um, you know, provider or somebody that's analyzing you on a regular basis, that's, that's, you know, that's taking notes. And that's, you know, these are notes that you're willing to share, because you're going to have to sign, you know, releases and waiver forms for other parties to look at these notes. But that's the only way that you're really going to be able to establish a, you know, a post-traumatic stress disorder claim or acute stress disorder claim, things like that. And I'm 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 sure the doctor would agree with me. Like that's, that's the thing that you need to get going in right away now if if it's something that that you don't engage in for six months after your accident I'm not saying it didn't happen, and I'm not saying you're not having those symptoms. I'm just saying it's going to be a lot more difficult to 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 i'm not I, this isn't the right word to use, but it's going to be a lot more difficult to sell somebody on the fact that you have a mental disorder when you waited when you waited six months to do anything about it. That's where we would probably have to have a situation where we're bringing in Dr. Sheehan to actually testify live or to write us some kind of written report um, that we would then present to the insurance company to say, look, I know it's been six months, but here's my clinical diagnosis. And here's, and here's the facts that back it up. Yeah. They're, t- they're yeah. just very, very, t- it's very, very tough. They're, t- they're very, very tough cases. They're very, very, and the one thing other day that I want to, yes, the insurance companies downplay them every single day, every day. Like, I mean, I have cases right now where people have been treating for 18 plus months for, with a concussion or post-traumatic stress disorder. And I routinely tell them, look, what, what you're going through on a regular basis is horrible, but you got to be prepared for the fact that the insurance company is not going to see it the same way that you do. Um, and they're going to, they're going to try to throw a low ball out for at you or something else because they know that it's not probably something that you want to see out. So anyway, that's my, that's my quick on that one.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Josh, I, I I love everything that you said. A, you know, I, the, you, the advice that you give clients to 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 get help as soon as possible, first and foremost, is you know for their for their own benefit and for their own well being, right? Because yeah, they they need should the talk support. to you. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, or you know, nope. somebody who's you know, even if it's in their within their insurance, you know, providers right. or whatever. Um, but. You are a thousand percent correct, right? There, there is no definitive test, right? And I can't tell you it's not like an X-ray, it's not like a blood test. Okay, look, we have very sophisticated psychological uh, testing materials that we can use. Whether it's you know general testing like the MMPI or the PAI, but we also have specific uh, you know um, trauma assessments as well, okay. But when I do an evaluation, when I'm doing that forensic evaluation, okay, and how many times have I had it happen where I, I do an evaluation and I end up, you know, looking at all the data and the psychological testing data and their profiles and, you know, I'm offering a diagnosis of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And then you have the independent medical or psychological examination that I happened. love those. Oh, don't you love yep. those, right? Because they, they yep. you know what? They get the same data right? But they're like, oh, well, these symptoms might be indicative of a personality disorder, right? Well, guess what? Because it's psychology and psychiatry, and it's the least exact science that we know, okay? But the difference is, as a forensic psychologist, when I do a forensic evaluation, I'm taking into account um, uh, the plethora of, of data that I have available. And what I also have available hopefully, right, (laughs) is those notes, is is that clinician who treated this person for the past year and a half, who's able to say to me, you know what, yeah, they they were experiencing this, I observed this, they demonstrated that, right, and it was all consistent with adjustment disorder or acute stress disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder, right, so it's not just my assessment of the of the data, but it's also objective observation of other clinicians who have been treating that person, and that that's really important. Yeah,
0: Understood. and I but thank you for that information, both of you. Honestly, um, with that though, we want to kind of swing to the next stop. We actually got uh, Mike to look up some videos for us. Um, and what, what we want to do is we're going to show you guys these videos. Mike's going to kind of explain for the audience what they're seeing. I'm not going to have to say that again. Hopefully our followers will be, this is how we're going to do it from now on, guys. So I'm only telling you once. But uh, Dr. Sheehan and for Josh, I want you guys to kind of talk about everything that you think of, like whose fault these things are, just all the things that we think of. So Mike, you take it on
2: whenever you're ready. All right. So, yeah, I'm going to just get my screen ready here and, and get this video pulled up. Um, there are two in a row, in fact, uh, but I'll pause it in between so you won't have to. Uh, uh, you know, we'll handle them one at a time. So, give me one second here. So, we have a car. This is dash cam footage. Uh, you'll see the car on the left. Are you guys all seeing what I'm, what I'm showing? Yep. yep. Yeah, good. All right. Um, so you'll see this little blue car on the left. Unfortunately, it's very old and looks like it probably doesn't have any of the safety features that it's about to need. Um, and (laughs) you will see a front end collision, uh, that I expect ended, um, in mortality. Um, but make it full screen um, too, Mike. You got it. Uh, I'm going to pause it because it goes right into the next one. hmm so that's about it you want to see that again i think i got it but yeah, no, <laughs> yeah i didn't see that good. again you know, it's, I, I saw it's it pretty good yeah yeah okay so there we go all right josh all right, when now, you uh,
0: see that what are your what are your thoughts on that video
4: i mean my thought is number one i don't know that anybody's at least in the blue car is probably walking away from that um that's that's a head on at, at a high very very high rate of speed so i think you're probably going to i think <laughs> i think somebody's checking out after that um number 2 this is sort of an aside but and it, it it's really graphic there but i think every personal injury lawyer in the world or at least in this country would vote for making um dash cams like required in all automobiles because number 1 <laughs> It eliminates the whole, well, I had the, she ran the red light or I had the yield and blah, 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 blah. It eliminates all that. No, 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 no. We got the video. I don't, I know you say that she ran the light, but like, we're going to play the video. Number one, it eliminates all that. Number two, this is extremely powerful evidence at trial. I mean, like if you have, if you're representing the plaintiff, if you're representing the party that was dead or maimed because of this, and you can play that. Um, and you get it through pre-trials and, and a judge allows you to play that video, man, I, like there is no jury in the world that's going to look at that and be like, ah, I don't know. I can't tell who's at fault or, or, or that isn't going to be the, cause you're going to show that video very early on in your case. So you're going to have that whole jury with you the minute that they see that video. Right. <laughs> so. Yep. Anyway. And doc- and Dr. Sheehan,
3: so uh, this even based off that video, and I know because I'm, I'm kind of just building off of what you um, kind of told us about, you know, it's not an exact science, which is why it's always, you know, you always have competing either reports, uh, you know, let me just ask you a question kind of like this, you know, when you see a video like that, you know, what are the, is, I don't even know the best way to ask this, right? Is there any kind of just any kind of you know any disorders that may come to mind that may come up from this right or is every person different you know how would you look at this if you saw this video and you were talking to someone what what are the first thoughts that come to your head
1: yeah every every person's going to be different and i know that you know josh had mentioned concussion traumatic brain injury you know th- these are all things that you you would certainly expect if not you know fatality you know coming from 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 uh such a horrific accident like that um you know people who have these types of accidents oftentimes have no recollection of of the accident right you you hear them say i woke up in the hospital 4 days later and i was in you know a body cast or i you know had a traumatic brain injury they have no recollection okay and the, the amount of distress that, that goes along with that, of not being able to recall, you know, how it happened, what happened. I mean, you know, having dash cam video, like Josh said, you know, th- there's no better evidence than that, Right. Um, <laughs> but yep. yeah, but, but, but when you, but when you don't have that in the absence of that, and, and you, you know, you're relying on, you know, the, the person who, you know, suffered the injuries to, to provide the, the information, you know, and that's again, where it's critical to, you know, be able to, to get the help or call the attorney, have your family, you know, have as, as many, you know, resources you, as you can connected to that person who's ultimately going to put the pieces of that puzzle together and, and present it in a way that's best going to represent your needs and the damages that you suffered.
3: And I guess a better, a better follow-up when you, let's say you're doing an evaluation and you're provided that video, do you approach your evaluation? Are you looking for specific things or asking pointed questions or is it more of like an open-ended conversation, right? With a potential patient, right? Like to figure, and then you just kind of go based off of how they respond, right? That leads you in a certain direction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's it it might be helpful for me to to be able to to have that video um but at the same time it's really about the, you know, their response to it. And and I and I think David you had you had asked, you know, does everybody respond the same? No, they don't. You know, even in in cases of severe traumatic experiences, not everybody develops PTSD, right? True. But at the same time, PTSD is not how the law defines emotional distress. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really important too. And and that clients need to understand that even if your therapist or anyone else is is telling you that you have or you don't have a particular diagnosis and even if you don't aren't diagnosed with post traumatic stress disorder, it doesn't mean that, you know, the legal definition of emotional damages doesn't pertain to you. And that's why, you know, that's a legal determination. That's not a clinical determination. Yes. Clinicians might be able to help with that, but but there's a but there's a legal you know definition to that which you guys are the experts <laughs> on.
0: Got it. And I'll say that that's really why it's a, it's really important, guys, to make sure that. And this isn't necessary, but I think it is very important to make sure that uh, the firm that you're working with has both of these skill sets that they have the legal knowledge, right? That the attorney can. Can uh, make sure that you're doing things legally the right way, and if it is needed, that you also have somebody right behind there, like Doctor Sheehan, who can also make sure that that lawyer is taking care of the person, right? Because our job, we our job is to help you as a person, right? The end of the day, we want to sure get a, a check and all those things, but if we can't help you get yourself back to- together. Then it's going to be really hard for us to paint a, a total picture. So the way you guys work together is vastly important,
4: right? And it's yeah, and like going back to what the doctor said earlier, if you're at a if you know if you want to go with a firm that you know that has ten thousand people in it, you're not dealing. You're going to be you're talking to a paralegal every day. You're not talking to a, you're not talking to a lawyer. You're yeah. talking to a paraleg you're talking right. to a paralegal or a legal assistant. And guess what? <laughs> They're not telling you to go to a psychiatrist. They're not doing that. They're just they're being like, yeah, yeah, I know it's hard, blah, blah, blah. Just hang in there when here, like, I mean, that's the first thing I'm looking for is like, does this person, this person just experienced a really significant trauma a week ago, 10 days ago, yesterday, are they, how are they answering my questions and how are they on the, like, are they respond? Are they constantly telling me that, you know, are they having migraines? Are they having light sensitivity? are they having like trouble sleep like all that kind of stuff and which could be a million different things as, as Dr. Shim will tell us like the the, the same clin- clinical things that you look for in a concussion are very similar to what you look for in a you know in the other in post traumatic stress or acute distress right i mean man, difficulty managing affairs impaired functioning low mood that's all, those are all symptoms of concussion as well so anyway um no
1: and 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 Josh you you know you you'd be able to speak to this better than 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 I and and I think legally you're supposed to as opposed to me right but, <laughs> yeah so you know it, it's it's my understanding at, you know having worked on a lot of uh, personal injury or even you know emotional damages cases that i think what clients don't understand is that you know from 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 a legal standpoint point of view that the injured party actually has uh, there there's there's a degree of onus and responsibility that's placed on that person to to receive help, mm. right? To to right. try to minimize the the potential negative effects of what they've experienced. And right. when if you're not working with a firm who's able to kind of say, hey, you know, call call Dr. Sheehan or call you know call somebody you know try to get an appointment because you need this. Not only do you need it, but Josh, am I right in saying that, you know, it's it's actually something that, that the law looks at.
4: Yeah, and, and you have, a as a plaintiff in a personal injury case, you have what's called a duty to mitigate damages, right? So you have a duty to do everything in your power to either pay for stuff that, like, if you've got, bit, like, you have to make it, you can't just let things go for two years And then just try to come into court and blame it all on the defense. Like you can't do like the, the, the judges are not going to let you do that. So if you try to come in again, two years after your accident and say, well, now I have a, you know, I have a concussion and I have, you know, I, I have, I have the spins and I have migraines. I mean that testimony, because you're not going to, because number one, you're not going to have any medical backing. That's just going to be you saying that no doctor's going to come in and, and, and corroborate any of that. So number one, it's going to be you saying it. Number two, a judge is gonna either severely limit it, meaning like, okay, I'll let him say this and this, but that's it because there's no professional, you don't have any other professional accreditation, or a judge is gonna say, Nope, he's not talking about that. I'm not gonna let him say that. Yep. Right? Because yep. he didn't do anything, he had his duty to mitigate damages and he didn't do anything. So mm-hmm. you're you're walking a very, 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 very fine line on those kind of things, which is again like if talk to yeah, talk I- to a lawyer, listen to what they say, follow their advice follow their instructions. If they give it to you, like, that's why you called in the first place.
3: Absolutely. And I mean,
4: I, I I'll say this one thing before
3: I throw it back to Mike, I always, I love for our listeners to get an idea, especially, and my clients already know this. I, I always recommend, listen, if you need rehab, you should be in rehab. All right. If you need to talk to a psychiatrist, you need to be there, right? If you are having problems, you know, because of the divorce, then maybe you need a divorce counselor, right? Not to talk about the legal side to talk about how it's affecting you personally, right? And my clients know that I'm never recommending this to make the case better. Sometimes that might be, you know, kind of a, a corollary effect if if that's the right word to use, like, yeah, sure, I have this if I need it in court, but at the end of the day, I'm telling my clients to do certain things because listen, I need you to be in a good place to work with me correctly, right? It makes my life easier if you're talking to someone about how it's affecting you, if you're seeing a psychiatrist, if you're in rehab, because they're working on the things that, frankly, I can't. Right. I can't help fix. I can't do that. I can't make this any less stressful. I can't help you work through this besides the legal side of it. Right. I can make sure you get through this court process. And guess what? If it doesn't affect you and you're not having those problems, we're going to get through it. No problem. Right. You don't need those resources. Great. I'm, I'm your lawyer. I'm going to take care of it but then there comes a side where I know I can't handle this. I can't manage this. Right. And that's all I ever care about. Right. That's the difference between us and a big firm. I believe I don't, I'm not doing this to build a case. I'm doing this to make sure you're just, you're getting through this like you should. Right. And it's not affecting you in any kind of negative way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and and not to mention, too, that, you know, uh, I know that, you know, we were talking about just getting, you know, the kind of support that people need and things like that. It's always a good idea. Right. But there's also such a thing as delayed onset for, mm-hmm. you know, for for trauma. Right. I mean, I've worked cases where, you know, the, the person has experienced significant trauma, like a, like a gas explosion. Right. And, you know, a, a year or two later that, that they're suddenly having panic attacks and they don't know why. Right. Um, well, it, it, they were being triggered, but it was the smell of like propane or gas or something that, that suddenly they started having panic attacks. Right. But, you know, you, you need to be working with somebody, you know, or, or having a close enough relationship with your attorney who's, who's saying, Hey, you know, go, go, go talk to your therapist, let them know that this is going on. Maybe it's connected. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Yep.
3: And that's and I'll, I'll say that's really the message I'll say real for quick. Listening,
0: yeah, I'll definitely say real quick on shout out to Dave because that is such good advice, and like, it is also another thing that you guys need to be look look listening to with your attorneys, right? If you were telling your attorney something. <clears throat> Uh, If they don't know, they should be telling you, right, because we are professionals in the legal realm. But the problem is that when you guys have these cases, I don't care what kind of legal case it is, because the legal case has such power with it. It will bleed into all other aspects of your life. They all do. I don't care if it's custody, if it's divorce, if it's criminal, if it's personal injury, if it is a legal matter, it is probably going to start affecting your life. And the only way we can take care of you is if you take care of yourself. And that will oftentimes require another professional Somewhere outside of the legal world, which is why the best attorneys, in my opinion, have other professionals that they can point to and say, "Hey, Doctor Sheehan, I need some help here. Can you help me with this?" Or they have doctors that are close, and you know, obviously, Josh, you you have a lot of doctors that you work with closely, and so that's just a matter of professionals having a large enough network to be able to help those in need when they need it. Um, that was the last thing I want to say on that, but with that. Uh, We want to wrap it up. Dr. Sheehan, thank you so much for your time. Um, What we do, obviously, it (laughs) always does, right? So I want to, we we usually just want to say what we're doing for the weekend. So I'll let you, what is Dr. Sheehan's weekend looking like?
1: It looks like (laughs) hockey again, guys. (laughs) 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 Youth hockey, you know. Yeah, <laughs> good, well, all the hockey parents out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs>
0: hey, let us know if they, uh, you know, they, they need some sponsors. Uh, Fighting for Justice likes to sponsor uh, different different teams. So we're always looking for a way to give back to the community. So let us know about that. We've been trying to give some money away to Josh and his kids, but, you know, he's too busy trying to <laughs> keep them alive, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna.
4: T- I mean, we got. We'll have soccer. I mean, they're they're just now at the age where they can start playing um like recreational soccer. So then we can at that point maybe we can sponsor the team. Once they get them now, I got one for you.
0: Josh. Are you letting your kids play football? Oh, uh, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Doctor Sheed, I, I if it's love something your for your him face, to do. <laughs> What do you think? Where do you stand on that, Doctor Shay You let your kids play football? They play hockey. Well,
1: you yeah, know, I mean, she yeah know he's, he's not a football player, but he's you know he's he's just starting bantam hockey. It's his it's his first year. If you if you know anything about youth hockey, it's the first year that they start checking, right? Prior yeah, to this okay. point, there's no checking, okay. right? And yeah. um, that'll that'll be interesting because that's where that's where the concussions start, and um, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens, but. We got to have you back. We definitely got to have you back because that just brought me a million
0: questions. Yeah, of course. Me too. And and you're right.
3: I've changed my opinion hundreds of times on this, right? Just because I played football (laughs) for like 18 years. And I've been like, of course, if I had kids, they would play football if they wanted to. And then I've thought about the times where I know I've had concussions and then just played through them. Or the coach is like, you're just out of shape. That's why you're throwing up. Uh, That's one I'll never forget where wow. I was like I'm in sh- I'm in shape. Like I that's when I was wrestling too. I was like I'm I'm in shape, but for some reason everything's spinning. I, but I play the whole game. So, I'm now kind of on the team of I think I'm probably against my children playing football, but I don't know. You know, Dave I Dave has CTE. It's a rough sport. I don't have CTE. I might. I don't know. Don't say <laughs> that. I'm running for office. <laughs> oh, yeah, never mind.
4: Well, I'm not a, prof- I mean, I'm not a licensed professional. Dr. Sheehan would have to say that, not me.
3: <laughs> no, no. You're
0: not, not only are you not a licensed professional, you're an idiot. An idiot.
3: <laughs> True. So Josh, what are you doing this weekend? You know, are you still playing defense or what?
4: Defense oh, all yeah. day. Yeah. So Saturday is actually, my daughter is having her birthday for the school. Uh-huh. Her birthday was uh-huh. actually. Her birthday was actually in April, but because of everybody else had their birthdays, we had to do it on this weekend. So Wait, no, that
0: no, 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 you, no, you're not just sliding past that. No, because no. her birthday is in April, and because everybody else had birthdays,
4: yeah, it was the first Saturday. No, 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 no. Like people, this is the birthday party for her school, right? So like, this. Is where oh, okay, 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 all, okay. You have to do. You guys don't know this. Doctor Shean does. <laughs> when you do when you have a birthday, you have a, you have like eight birthdays because you have one that where all their school friends have to come and you do it at like a trampoline uh, park or you go bowling or you go to a <laughs> Phillies game. Well, and then you have the birthdays with like, you know, the family. And then if your parents are divorced, right. like, then you have two okay. birthdays, okay. You have like, so, right. So you have like, there's like eight parties you have to go to. And this is the final <laughs> one that is like her and the, just the kids from like her kindergarten class. Right. So that's Saturday, which is going to be where you're going. Where's that? um, So she wanted to have it at this place in Collegeville that like does like um, it's actually a really good idea that does like uh, like not like like manicures and pedicures. But for kids, you know, they like Mm -hmm. they like they comb their (laughs) hair, you know, and they right. But the great thing. But the great thing about it is she only had to invite the girls from her class because the boys aren't going to do that (laughs) stuff. Right. So this was like ingenious. sexist, sexist. This was ingenious.
0: I get, I get pedicures all the time. Right.
4: Well, it's, you know, but they get like their hair done and all kinds of other stuff. Right. So the yeah. fact that she got away with only having to invite half the kids, I thought was ingenious. I gave my wife a high five for that. I was like, that's that's, what? that's, <laughs> that's...
1: that's a great idea. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, Josh, you, you got, you got a couple more years until you're out of that, that, that place where, you know, like the whole class has to be invited. Right. Right. Once you get past that hurdle, it gets a little bit easier, right? Where you're able to say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to do something that costs a little bit. You get to pick two friends to bring.
4: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No one tell. that's one of the hidden expenses as a parent. I mean, there's already 8 billion of them, but that's another one where like, they don't tell you that like if you, when you have the birthday parties where there's like 15 kids, Like you've got to pay for like all the 15 kids to come to the party. Whereas, you know, in a couple of years, it's going to be like, you can pick two. Right. So anyway, yeah. What are you doing Sunday? So that'll be fun. You get
3: relaxation Sunday?
4: No, probably just, you know, wake up and do it all over again. Although (laughs) we don't have to go, we don't have to go to a party. So that's, that's the one good thing. So I think Sunday is supposed to be nice weather. So we'll, we'll have to, you know, run them around outside burn off some burn off some energy nice before we can start and playing in hockey and
3: my weekends my weekend's boring i'm gonna do some work because next weekend i'm gonna be in cape may so i'm gonna make sure everything's in order so i can go away for a week and turn my phone off and not have to wonder you know did i miss something so that's gonna be my weekend just making sure everything's good to go
4: you're not gonna turn your phone off come on no i oh, did Dave? Last year. absolutely he will. This,
0: absolutely he no. will absolutely okay. listen now so me The moment phone that i arrive
3: in cape may the moment i arrive in cape may on saturday until the following saturday absolutely do not you could text me right, absolutely man. Good, for you, man. Uh, good for good you on saturday good for you Golf the,
1: the, the, that ability to unplug is pretty rare these days Dave. absolutely I'm proud of you
3: <laughs> there's there i've done the opposite jj knows we both have right when you go somewhere and like This is what's great about having a partner like JJ. We try to make this available to the other part. Like, listen, when we go on vacation, I do my best to make sure he never has to get on the phone, you know, and now I know he's still on it because he's nuts. Right. But (laughs) I also give him credit because when I'm away, if it's anything that he can do to make sure that I don't have to look at my phone, he will. Right. So we try to at least give each other a break as much as we can if we're on vacation. And I I do the best I can to give
0: myself a break. yeah 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 yeah. what are you doing as for me honestly not that much um i don't really have anything too crazy planned i'm trying to you know we we got some big plans here so we're trying to you know bring mike on full time we're trying to get some some, so a new attorney so i am throttling down on my spending because (laughs) you know we got to (laughs) make some money people so, with that being said, we love you guys. Thank you so much. And I am a terrible person. Happy belated Mother's Day, Dr. Sheehan. Uh oh, from thank you. last Sunday. I hope hey. you had a great day. Uh, yes,
4: happy Mother's Day.
0: And so, Dr. Sheehan, I definitely wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for your time and please tell our our uh, followers, how can they contact you if they need some help? This Dr. Sheehan is absolutely the person that you guys need to be contacting, okay? So please give them a, a way that they can t- contact you, phone number, email. How can they get at you?
1: Yeah, great. Thanks, JJ. Um, so uh, people can contact me through my website at com, and attorneys might want to take a look at psycholegalconsulting.com because of the uh, forensic piece of my Insulting work that I do, and if you have any questions, feel free to email me or reach out by phone.
0: Guys, As y'all always. know what to do: like, comment, share, and if you need a lawyer, holla at your boy. Until next time, stay safe. Fight, fight, fight,
2: fight, fight, fighting for justice. Fight, 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 fighting for justice. Fight. what We can on fight. Wanna know the law? You.
1: We'll fight it
0: Probably with a